So um, I think we're going to have Crystal, hold one sec. Okay, go quick. Um, so I got something for her, but we're going to have, this morning I was praying some, and I felt like God gave me like a little quick word, nothing crazy. And then there were three people that God put on my heart and talked to them this morning that I don't know if they'll get something. I don't know if they won't. I just said, hey, <laughs> if you get something, just I'll call you up and leave it open from there, you know, and see what God speaks. Kind of fun when he uses multiple people, you know, and pulls a message together that way. It's always exciting to see then. And we've already seen that this morning, right, through worship and the way he's speaking and orchestrating things. It's really cool because then it's not about one person ever. It should always be about Jesus and him speaking and his word and that we're just vessels who are willing, all of us. I know every single person in here is just willing, and we're growing in our willingness to be those voice pieces for him wherever he puts us and when he tells us to. You know. um, so this word, the past few days actually, God kept speaking to me this scripture, bringing it to mind. Um, oh, yeah, okay. So I actually, before I start that, I got a couple words for people during worship. So Crystal... Yeah, so I wanted to start with you, but I saw you with this journal. It, it was like a huge notebook of sermons that you've put together and like had, and you are so ready. It was like you have this burning passion inside of you to start preaching, teaching, releasing words, and God just said, it's not time yet. Like, I know you've been waiting, but just not time yet. So keep writing, keep allowing those words because they're coming from God but he has you in a very specific still place right now, and those times are really tough, but um, there's going to come a time, and it's going to be so evident to everyone around you, um, and something's got to die in you first, and you've like, okay, I've felt so much death <laughs> already, but he's, he's keeping you there, and it's the most loving thing. I kept hearing him say, it's the most loving thing I can do for her right now, and she needs to know that it's the most loving thing I can do for her right now is keep her in this place. And so he's loving you well by doing that. And then there's this, but there's a wealth of stuff. And don't think that that's not worth, doesn't have value, because it has immense value. So don't discard it. Like, okay, well, if I'm never going to speak, I'm just discarding these things. What's the point? No, there's incredible value there. It's just not time. And then um, Kurt, I heard the Lord say, it's time. <laughs> so it was almost like you were coming out. And I got a word in Wyndham months back, and I know you and Diane were there. But it, seeing you again today, it was just like, it's time. Kurt, come out. Lead, lead, lead. Don't put it aside anymore. Lead. You've got to lead. You've got to lead. You have to lead. And God's like screaming it like, it's now. It's now. You've been hiding and in put put off and aside for a little a long little long while depending on how we look at time but now is the time you know now is the time so just want to encourage you again God's yelling that over you and there's going to be grace to do it and it, where you feel like maybe tired or like you don't have it right now to do it that's the perfect place that's why it's now you know so just want to encourage you with that and then Rick I kept hearing God say father and you need to father people. There's spiritual sons and daughters that, that are needing you as a father. And you're like, uh, who, me, a father? I don't know. Like, how am I going to father people that aren't my own kids? 
but it, it like you carry this father thing on you. And as I was looking at you in worship, like I would just open my eyes every minute, uh, every few minutes and I would see kids like spiritual young people around you. And sometimes I think the Lord's saying that you like downplay your gift or downplay what you have and say, well, others have more than what I have. But there is so much inside of you that we need, my generation needs, and I'm standing as a voice for my generation saying, Father us, Father us, give us what you have, your character, your perseverance, your patience, the love that comes from God that you've learned from him, Father us. So that's what I want to say today. Yeah, yeah, he'll get you to that place, but that's what he's speaking to you, really is. Yeah, so the verse that kept coming to my mind was um, from Matthew 10, and it says in verse 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow, af follow after me is not worthy of me. And I was thinking a lot about family because, like Tommy said, we are so blessed. You guys are family to us. And even our own families, it's like we, we feel the support, the love, the encouragement. And it's so meaningful to us. It's very powerful in the spiritual realm towards us as a community. Um, so I want to emphasize that, but what I kept hearing the Lord say, there's something even greater than that in Jesus, that we have to love him above anything else and above anyone else, and there needs to be a breaking off of the fear of man and a release, a, a fresh release of the fear of the Lord where we begin to walk in the fear of the Lord. And this is not like I'm, I'm a scared of you, God, like you're going to strike me with lightning if I don't obey you. It's this reverence and awe for him, recognizing who he is, that no matter our circumstances, he is worthy. He is worthy of our obedience. He is worthy of our lives. And we must give it all. Just as we were singing today, he gave it all all for us, that we could be free to give it all back to him. And it's not meant to be this heavy thing. It's meant to be this joyful thing where we are free and we get to live constantly in that freedom and give back to him full obedience. And we're miserable outside of obedience. We're miserable outside of obedience. We were at my mom's house last weekend, and any of you who know my mom, she is like a gem, right? She's a treasure. And sometimes when you just sit there with her, you just like soak in wisdom and things that she's saying. Well, she said something, and I've been thinking about some of this stuff already. And she said, you know, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is about Paul and Silas when they're in the jail cell. She says, they're uh, the scripture says they're in the jail cell. And they begin to praise God. They're praising and worshiping. And all the other prisoners were listening, watching, some translations say. She just stopped there. That's my favorite passage in the Bible. She said, our circumstances, we're being watched by other captives. 
we're being listened to, when we're going through a hard time or in our circumstances don't look pretty, there are captives who are watching us, who are listening. What will their response be? How are they going to respond to this opposition? And how did Paul and Silas respond? In praise and in worship. They were not bound by their circumstances in any way. They were free men. Their circumstances could not bind them because God is greater, a greater authority. They recognized that, and because of that, they were able to praise and worship. They had no fear of man. They had the fear of the Lord. And when we walk in the fear of the Lord, our circumstances can't hold us down because then I fear God above it and I'll obey him and worship him and live in freedom no matter where I am or what's going on and then other captives well you know the rest of the story the whole place gets shook with the, the earthquake of God and all the chains fall off of all the other prisoners because two prisoners recognized they were in the same condition of everybody else, but their inward condition was different. Their spirit was renewed and alive, and they worshiped. They praised. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight in the face of opposition. We stand and we praise a God who's greater than our circumstances. And what happens in that simple act of obedience and worship and rejoicing, chains fall off every other prisoner around us. Everyone gets freed, and then Paul says, no one leave, right? Then the, the, the guy who is on guard is about to kill himself, and Paul says, don't, we're still here. Why? Because Paul was not just about escaping. He was about souls encountering this true freedom. True freedom can be found still in a place of prison of terrible circumstances he didn't say everybody run God freed us he said everybody stay there's one more the guard God wants to save him yeah the one holding us captive our enemy our greatest enemy we got to get him too because he had God's heart he had the fear of the Lord it wasn't selfish it wasn't about me getting out of my circumstances. It was me choosing to stay in my circumstances, even though God opened the door for me to leave, to say, no, this one's got to come with me too. This isn't just about me. I've got to get them all. And that guard gave his life to the Lord. He didn't commit suicide, and his whole family got saved. What we choose to do in our circumstances is fruit of are we walking in the fear of the Lord or are we walking in the fear of man? Because if we're walking in the fear of man, we will try to run from opposition, the hard times. We'll try to get out as fast as possible because it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good, and I just want it out. So I'm going to try to escape and, like, stay out of God. Like, maybe I can just hide here for a minute and get out of this so I don't have to be obedient. But there's freedom on the other side of worship and praise in our circumstances that then liberates everyone around us. 
we must return to the fear of the Lord. And I'm just going to end with these two scriptures from Proverbs 14 that kept coming to mind this morning. In the fear of the Lord, there's strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. Paul and Silas were walking in that. They were in that. They were in the refuge of God in a prison. They were in his refuge because they were in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. No matter where we are, no matter what your circumstances in, right where you're at, God is there and he's a fountain of living water that we can continuously drink from over and over and over again. And there's hope there. There's joy there. There's peace there. Doesn't matter what's happening out here. I could be accused by people, being hurt by people, torn down by people, but inwardly I have a never-ending fountain that says, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, God. Fill me with your love because he's forgiven us. Praise the Lord. Praise the one who set us free. An overwhelming source of praise and worship and adoration. And I just want to encourage you, whatever your circumstances is, remember God, the one who saved you. Remind yourself, begin to praise, begin to worship, literally, in your heart, let it come out and watch yourself be freed from the weight and all those around you changed like ice. Josiah, Nacho, or Kurt, any of you. I don't, I don't have a whole lot. I, I heard some stuff. Uh, we had some conversation last night, and I overheard some conversation this morning, and it just really got me to thinking. And while I'm glad that we're not in a prison, you know, it's, it's so great when the Lord gives us those analogies sometimes that there is no prison. But I think oftentimes we are prisoners in and of ourselves within that prison. And the word I got this morning was something innocuous, but what I overheard this morning him and Josiah were talking about something and I was standing in the hall sitting in the back seat and they were talking about doing, I may not get it exactly because Joel, I've got to keep it and they were talking about when people do the right things uh, over and over and people treat you wrong and you know how often, how many times do you just keep going back and you keep going back, you know, and then they said the word return and it's like somewhere in our spirit we often want a return what it is that we're doing you know and it got me to thinking about a lot of different things about even why we're here you know as this team this pumpkin fest and uh, there's a lot of humanism that you could look into it and say was it a success was it not a success and it's where do we look and where do we put our treasure you know what is inside of us that's different than the outside that others would be looking at and can see and how we respond and, you know, I know a little bit of the history of what's going on with property and so forth. And what we see 
but I would be careful to say, let's not be deceived in what we see or what we hear. And it's really important of what we hear. Sometimes vision is what we feel, but sometimes what we feel is we hold on to the inside. We don't always let it out, but it comes out in our actions and our attitudes and how things are going. And last night in our conversation, I hope I didn't ramble too much, but in our conversation, we talked about intimacy. And for me, I, God met me this week because it brought me, it brings me back into a place of intimacy with people that I've known for 15, 16 years that I don't always get to share with. Uh, my season is different. I, I work, I do things with my, you know, to make sure my family's met. And I've been up, I've been down, but it's what I see about my life don't for myself is not to be deceived in what I see or what I feel. You know, and you mentioned I've kind of been outside for a little while or whatever, but I mean, I, I see what's going on. I pray and I have relationships and my close relationships know me, they've prayed with me and we've gone through a lot of trials and so forth. So this is what, I want to break this down real quick. Get back open to mine. It's Matthew 6, and it's just about grudges. Uh, I think I'm still on the message. I was going back and forth. But it's don't hoard up treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust and so forth. And so often we'll take that and we'll look around and, you know, treasures, not buildings, this stuff, because none of the things that God gives us necessarily is wrong. But I wanted to break this down to how we see it and our attitudes and what we harbor. When we start to put our trust in people, we do the right thing because we've lined ourselves up with the Lord and we trust the stuff. We've given up, given up everything. And so we're doing the right thing. But people aren't treating us well. You know, or we gave us, and Anasha mentioned somebody in her church does something well and people will tell her or whatever. I don't know if it was her or him. You know, why do you do that? They lie about you. They talk about you behind your back. You know, and some one of the things I used to tell my employees sometimes when they meet people is you might be the only life they have today. You don't know where they came from. They could be from an abusive family. They could be uh, just not loved. Maybe they live alone. They're single, and they don't get interaction with people. And that one kind word is because what's inside of us, we can deposit something. And then what other people look around and see, you can't be deceived for what you see or what you feel. But if you're doing this and you're doing it over and over and you start to find that, I don't know why I keep doing this because man, they just, they never treat me well. Well, where is your treasure? Because if your treasure is doing it that way, it's for some, it's really, you're doing it to deceive people, to judge people. And in the end of the day, and that treasure is moth and rust. The thing about moth and rust, that is basically what it means to steal. Time, those things eat away. Rust melts metal over a period of time. And so when we continue doing the same thing over and over and we're not getting the return that we're expecting, whose return do you expect? And when you go back down and you read further in the treasure, where does it say we put our treasure? In heaven. So um, I like this message. It says, we're stolen by burglars. I look at burglars as, as people in the enemy that, you know, who we put our trust in there, and all of a sudden, you know, we built this long thing with these folks, and then they flip out and they're gone, and they steal everything from us. They kind of steal from us, is the way I would phrase it. 
Stockpile treasure in heaven was safe from moth or rust. That means nothing is ever found that's imperfect. It never can be destroyed. And where we are in our feelings is we're trusting a man to cause us to feel good about what we're doing. Over time, that's when the moth, the rust, and the sweat just turns to flesh for Christ. Um, God's not scared of death or atrophy. You know, I, I think about a church that has people, a church today, we have people, but on a regular Sunday here, there's not a lot of people. And yet, what do you see? There's an atrophy in the church, an atrophy to God. And what he needs and what he often needs is a disbursement of people that are now in a place where he can help them. And that's nobody here. I mean, that's people that used to go here that maybe don't come here any longer. God, they're not exempt from doing being in the right place for God now. He's going to do something for them. You know, so don't be deceived, again, on what we see or what we feel about a situation. You know, so that there's death and I'd probably be scared about what happened to me, you know. And if I listen to people, um, you know, and I, I don't want to go into a long sto- story, but, I mean, I had something, I was building something, and it, it failed, and it failed with the pain that I have in my life. And if I kept looking, I could have just given up and just done it. I really could have just turned back in the church because the church I was going to couldn't help me. You know, but no offense to them, they just didn't have the grid to be able to help me. But that's not what I saw, and that's not what God saw. So treasure is something you want to put aside of what does God actually see and why do I do this? And you have to ask that question, why do we do what we're doing? You know, is it for something that we get? And in the moment, it may not be. But what about 10 years down the road? What about five years down the road? And so by making that right choice over and over, and we can even make the right choice from a sad place. I mean, that's another whole maybe can of worms because you can say, you know what, I, the Bible says I got to treat them well all the time and I'm going to treat them well. And maybe you're disrupting some other stuff and a leader comes and says, hey, you know what's going on? And he's like, I, you know, the Bible says treat them well. You know, this thing is really kind of this messy thing. So how do you get it right? Well, that's what we've been studying, but actually hard for it is then you put with a body of people. You submit yourself to one another. You find we have... Um, Laura and Brian in the house, and deacons from our church, and we submit to that authority. And then you have intimate relations. How do we build intimate relationships? We've lived together in life a lot, you know, but those are the things that keep you on track and being able to see and store your treasure in heaven rather than here because you've learned how to deal with offenses and find out these folks still love you even in the midst of your mess. Does that make sense? I know, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but, but I mean, it's, it's a very practical place. And so I come back to what you shared with the change. How often are we sitting in a church pew, really, in those same pains, but we're having a pity party type thing? You know, because nobody, nobody cares for me, nobody loves me, I'm going to eat some wings, right? I mean, that's how I feel. <laughs> you know? And you look around that circumstance, and we can't be deceived by what we see or what we feel. And that's what I believe for the body here. You know, singing earlier, um, I look like I'm surrounded, but it's the Lord that's surrounded us. That's what that lyric goes. But, you know, the Lord has surrounded me. 
that's a different perspective, and it's taking that perspective and looking outside and realizing that it really doesn't matter. Most of the time, it's in the Lord's plan. You know, because the enemy's going to throw something else. Do you think that surprises the Lord when the enemy brings something like that? It, it doesn't. Do you think it's in his plan to make something out of it and change it? He's the, he's the only entity in all of creation that can do that because he created it. I don't, I would think there's some kind of mistake. So, um, I mean, that's just my perspective, I guess, this morning. Um, yeah, ask yourself, why do we do what we do? And don't be deceived by what you see or what you hear. So, I mean, submit yourself to the body and to the authority that's in the body to maintain that. Because you're able to continually looking out and seeing and finding out, hey, you know, maybe I am being deceitful. And be open to being caught and being corrected. You know, so that's just something that we've learned, I think, together over a long period of time. So I'm really thankful for you guys. I'm thankful to be able to be here. Um, I'm thankful to hang out here close by Hal. You know, it's <laughs> you just like my aunt Sarah. <laughs> oh, Brian, <laughs> uh, Matias. <laughs> I know, I know the name. Um, you know, so it's always great to see back new friends. Um, the blankets gonna have a wonderful home. Um, the petties, you know, we we've hung out at Life Group a little bit in the past, but this was fun. You know, God met my need of being able to connect with people, you know, even this weekend. You know, so he's always going to come back. He knows how I feel, and he's going to meet your feelings, you know, right here. So it's really, that's just what happens. And I'm blessed to be here. Who's next? You know, Ignacio, Josiah, you have a word. So I hope that was practical for you guys. Every time I, I look, at Kurt, look, look, look to him or look at him, when I see him, this thought always comes to my mind. It happens a lot over the last few years. And I, I know it's a cliche, but it does happen. I look at you and I'm like, oh, the best is yet to come. I always think about that when I look at you. So I was listening to you talking and I was like, oh, okay, yes, yes, the best is yet to come. Of course, that you guys are here, you know, it's so exciting. Um. I'm so humbled and so honored to be here with you guys and be part of what God is doing. Um, thank you so much for having us here and allowing us to be here. And you guys, talking to that main as now, you guys are such a great uh, bunch, fun people, uh, fun people to work with. The atmosphere yesterday, I've been here before several times, and the atmosphere yesterday around here was like, it was just like, oh, yeah, there's something new going on here. Not undoing what people did before with all the respect for the work that was done before. There's something new. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, then I, was working, uh, uh, I was working with Jay back there, you know, in the same room. We're all in that little room. And there were like two of us working and then 15 people looking at us in the room. We all like shoulder to shoulder. And then Jay was just releasing the song of joy with a trombone. I was like thinking, man, this guy don't need no trombone to release joy. You know, we don't need a thing to release joy. Joy is in him. And I'm like, yeah. And then um, then his sweetie showed up with those, Marie showed up with those beans. 
Did you guys taste the love when you're eating the beans? Or was it just me? I mean, that's one thing, cooking, and then there's another thing, cooking with love. And as, as I was eating the beans, I was like, oh, this lady. Hmm, now, who do we stay with next time? Do we stay, do we stay in the new apartment with her, or do we go to the, you know? It's just the whole thing. Um, our California crew is so bummed they couldn't be up here. I've been sharing videos, pictures, and they were like, oh, we want to come. So we, we need to come with a team from California. Um, Tommy and Wesley, I, we, we, we've been doing ministry and been married for a long time. And we look at you guys, and you guys are doing so well in the very beginning, receiving people, being generous, loving people, welcoming. You guys are just beautiful together. I just wanted to say that. It takes people, it takes a couple of years to get to that level of, you know, we're staying with them and everything's full, everything's fine. No hiccups, no issues, no problems. Bodies everywhere, pillows everywhere, everything's cold, you know. Thank you for being patient with us and being generous with us. You guys are beautiful. Um, concerning what's happening here as we pray, um, the Lord is about to do something so beautiful here. It's just so big and so great. Every time in the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, when you see God reducing numbers, reducing ability, reducing things, it was just before, every single time, it was just before heaven kissed the earth and something that people had never seen before took place. Joshua, David, I mean, go through every story. Just before God did something like, the earth had never seen before something beautiful and great that goes beyond anyone's imagination. Something new that nobody had been praying about. Nobody wrote in the book anywhere. Nobody foresaw it coming. God, every time God did that, like major significant things, he always, think about it, he always reduced the numbers, reduced the ability, reduced all the man-made ability to almost nothing. And then heaven went, I, I was here yesterday watching all this, and I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there's a kiss coming here. There's, there's a kiss from heaven coming to this place that's going to release. I mean, it's already, I think, in motion. I, I, can, see, I can see it coming. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to be here, you know. But, um, <laughs> right, <laughs> you guys are on the edge of something beautiful. And I know that's cliche. I know we, we say that to encourage because we like each other and we want to, we come up here to encourage, you know. But have you noticed every time you go somewhere to encourage, you'll end up being encouraged? Has that happened? You, know, you go out there to like bless and to encourage. We're going to go out there. And then you leave, you go like, man, that really encouraged me. It's like, thank you, Jesus. So I just want to let you guys know you are encouraging us. Um. But let me give you a couple of things that I believe the Lord can use, the Holy Spirit can use to strengthen and to make way, as you're singing this morning and speaking, uh, make, the, make, the, make open the way of the Lord, you know. Set up the way of the Lord. Um, be careful what you verbalize going forward. Because what you verbalize, you give power to. What you verbalize, and that goes for all of us, not just the mainers. Whatever you verbalize, you give power to. We already know this. There's two kingdoms waiting outside of your mouth, right? They're right here waiting, one on each side. And whatever you verbalize, 
agrees with one or the other and it materializes. Whatever you verbalize, you give power to. I have such great respect for the ones that have gone before and the work they've done. I bless everyone that has been here laboring, praying, doing the very best they could to build kingdom, to bring forth Jesus, to make Jesus famous. I am, I'm like so grateful for them in spite of all the circumstances. But going forward is where we're going. We're not going back. We are going forward. Therefore, whatever you verbalize needs to align with what God wants to do and what God is doing. So I'm beginning to verbalize, oh, the Lord's going to bless you. The Lord's going to, I know we can go to the all increase thing and all oh, the Lord's, we can speak all this fun, you know, encouraging. But more than that, speak, speak, dig the gold out of everyone here. When you talk to each other, point out, man, Logan was so awesome. All the work, we couldn't have done half the work if he wasn't here, right? I mean, start bringing out gold, you know? I mean, Jay made the work lighter because he was so much fun to work with, you know? And then whenever we ran into a problem and we panicked, what are we going to do next? Well, let's get Brian here. Brian will fix this, you know, somehow, you know. So so pull out the gold from each other. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that we could look at, but rather, rather dig for the gold in each other. Pull it out and speak it and verbalize it and say to each other, the Lord is going to bless you. The Lord is going to bless this place. Speak things as if they were already. I was watching all the cars yesterday, and I told Sean, man, this place is like, there's a lot of cars here. Oh, there's going to be a day that cars will be outside, and, and we'll have to figure out more parking, all this, all this good stuff. Verbalize, give power to what the Lord wants to do. In face of the current realities and circumstances and the practical realities we have to deal with, we must think in faith, talk in faith, and move forward in faith. Because faith defiles the facts. Well, I mean, it's great. Yeah, bless you and everything, but our reality is. Well, let me tell you, faith defiles facts. Well, it is a fact that we're dealing with this. It is a fact that we have to endure the situation. It is a fact that this person did that. We're not blind to the facts. But when you speak and verbalize in faith, faith defiles the facts, and it creates a new reality. Isn't that exciting? So you mean all I got to do is talk about it? Yeah, that's right. Talk about it like God is doing it. Because the Lord will join you in that deal. The Lord is in a covenant, a long-lasting covenant, and the work that he's begun for this place years ago, he has not changed his mind one bit. He has not, God has not looked back and go, oops, that didn't work. Let's, let's try it again. No, God is committed in covenant with this place to release the kingdom in this place. And I don't care how many things and problems and people and situations, God is committed to what he has begun because God is a finisher. God is a finisher. Sometimes I have to remind myself of that when you're like in that, oh, gosh, how much longer, Lord? You pray the prayer of David. How long, oh, Lord? David starts one psalm, you know, several psalms in the beginning. God, how long? God, how long will I be here? When will you deal with the people around me? And then he goes on, and halfway through the psalm, he goes like, oh, but God, you are so good. And then he finishes a lot of psalms saying, wait. I say, wait for the Lord, right? And I pray that prayer, and we get to that place. 
But I remind myself all the time, God is a finisher. God is a finisher. God is a finisher. God will complete what he has begun. When everybody has left the building, you will complete what he has begun. Because he's faithful. Keep that mindset. God's not done yet. God's not done yet. And if he's not done, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere, right? When you talk to each other, dig the gold out of each other. Wives, dig the gold out of your husbands, not the trash. You know, and vice versa. Talk about the good things that you're doing and how God is using you. Talk about the strength people have. Create an atmosphere of so much blessing. And, and, I'm, ta- and I'm talking about positive. I'm talking about like really digging into the deep, you know. Go deep and pull out the gold in people. Be grateful. Vocalize, verbalize your great, like how grateful you are for stuff. Tell people, thank you for the beans made with love. Thank you for the joy you brought to the job site. Thank you, Brian and Laura. Thank you guys for trailers, Logan. And I mean, thank you all. I mean, all this work, all this, all this effort that goes, a lot of hard work. But man, I want to be part of that picture when the picture gets taken. When a, notch, when a generation comes and looks at us and goes, look, we're here now because the generation has gone before us, right? <laughs> so when you consider where we are and where you are, remember this. Take confidence in this. Before there were any human beings, before there was life anywhere, there was one who was and is life. Before there was the sunshine, there was one that is light. Before there was death, there is one that is resurrection. Before there was sin, there was one that forgives, loves, and restores. When you start to get a hold of these things, you're like, is there, is there something that's not really possible here? God can do all things, right? In the beginning, God was. Our responsibility is to really turn our hearts, abandon our flesh, turn our hearts to the Lord, impart us with his word, and watch what God can do, right? Um, Romans 10, 11 says, no one, no one in any condition, in any, cir- in any set of circumstances, no one that puts his or her trust in the Lord will ever be put to shame. No one. No one includes every person here. No one includes every person that is not here this morning. No one that puts their trust in the Lord will ever be ashamed or put to shame because God will finish, he will complete what he has begun. And I, I think about that and my hope it gets renewed. I'm like, yeah. Even though I may not see it, understand it, grasp everything that God is doing, even though I don't feel everything, even though I don't get everything, I know that right behind me here, there's a finisher. And he's completing the work that he has begun. And that goes for the Crossing Life Church in Carmel, Maine. He is a finisher, and he will complete what he has begun in spite of the circumstances. So I hope, I, 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 I hope that your hope is renewed this morning. I, pr- I pray this morning, Lord, renew hope in the hearts, right? And hope is not the guarantee that something will go well. Well, hope for the best. I think hope is a lot more than that. Hope is the assurance in the deepest places of your heart that everything that we are experiencing has a divine purpose. That's hope. Man, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't 
get everything, but I have hope that God is finishing, completing what he has begun. And at some point, I'll look back and go, wow. Wow, God, you are truly amazing, right? Hope is the confidence that the Lord knows what he's doing, and I can trust his sovereignty. By our standards, we feel like we may be suffering in some areas, but by God's standards, we are being made ready for. Right? What feels like defeat for some of us, what we perceive as loss and weakness, the Lord sees as a victorious advancement and growth in preparation for this kiss coming from heaven. Man, when you when you like hurting and mourning and discouraged and undone and somebody comes and hugs and kisses you, oh yeah, oh yeah, right? Um, also, a couple of more things and I'll, I'll be done. No amount of worry and anxiety can change anything in the future. No amount of worry and anxiety can change anything in the future. Jesus spoke much about that, right? Who can add an hour to their life and so on and so forth. So give your heart to faith and begin to believe, but put action to your belief by verbalizing the impossible. Because what you verbalize you give power to, right, right? The impossible is just nothing but a perspective. The impossible is just nothing but a perspective. God can cause the impossible to turn to possible and vice versa because God is not limited by that. We already know that. It is so easy for us in face of our circumstances to, I've done this and I've had to like, you know, uh, recycle my my mindsets it is so easy for us to assess the past and assume the future we were talking about it this morning it's so easy for us to assess the past assess what this person has done in the past assess what's gone on in this one place assess the patterns of this one place and therefore assume the future is going to be like that and God is calling us, I think God is calling you here to break ranks with the assessments of the past and expect something new, beautiful, that no one has ever seen before. Well, you know, we, we think this and hear this and hear that. No, well, God's about to do something we've never seen before. So really, we just have to make ourselves ready for that. Faith wants to take us beyond assessments and assumptions, and he wants to challenge us to accept the possibility of a miracle beyond our current perspective and calculation. <laughs> I think the Lord is about to challenge you guys here as a body. He's challenging us all, but I think specifically here, the Lord is about to challenge you in the statistics of probability. God is gon God's going to do things that you, you're going to go, oh, oh, I didn't think about that. We didn't have that in mind. So be ready for the unconventional. Um, one other thing, um, for you guys that are up here and the more people come to get involved in all that, take responsibility for the kingdom. The kingdom is you and I. It's not them. 
There's always the, oh, they, 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 there's no they. There's only us. There's only a little bit of me, a little bit of me, a little bit of me, a little bit of me that comes together and makes us take responsibility. And I know you guys are already involved. But I was thinking for some reason that I needed to tell you this. Don't, wa- don't wash your hands like Pilate. Wash your feet. Wash feet like Jesus. I don't know why I said that, but I, I it was it, it's my notes this morning. I think there'll there'll be circumstances and situations that will arise. Don't wash your hands like Pilate. Wash feet like Jesus. When they come, don't say, "Well, that's somebody else's deal," and that's you know we we're not responsible for that. You know, just like Pilate's did. You know, I wash my hands. I I. And I think the Lord is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, be ready to wash feet like Jesus. Um, oh, Inasi, you bless your heart. You just don't understand what goes on in this place. If only you lived here. There was once, I'll close with this. There was once a man, a black man, poor black man, a descendant from slavery, blind in one eye, uneducated, Living under harsh laws of racial segregation, he led the power of the Holy Spirit in a community to the biggest and greatest spiritual revival in the history of humanity since after the day of Pentecost. His name is or was William Joseph Seymour, a pioneer of the Azusa Revival in Los Angeles, California, 1906 to 1909. He had everything going against him everything but as a result of his passion dedication in prayer you know the story this man would stick his head inside of a box so that he wouldn't see or hear anybody and just call on the lord for the investment of one person that was uneducated not capable against every possible stream of adversity as a result today there are churches in every corner of Los Angeles, surrounding communities, Pasadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, there's Christian universities. My son is at Providence Christian University because of this, as a result of one man without ability, with everything going against him. Funny how people say, oh, LA is so liberal, ungodly. I'm like, are you kidding me? Have you gone to LA lately? There's a lot of God stuff going on, a lot of God stuff. So, what were the barriers again in Carmel, Maine? What was the problem again in Carmel, Maine? What was stopping you or us? What was the deal again? What was the limitation in Maine again or in Carmel? Verbalize what you hear in faith from the Lord because when you verbalize it, you give power to Dare to believe for the impossible. Dare to go against the grain of familiarity. Dare to go against normal. And give God room for the unconventional. A lot of people want to do great things for God. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm but it's not our job to do great things for God. A lot of people are chasing that. But that's not our job. Our job is to be so dedicated to the Lord He's the one that's great, and he's the one that does great things for us. Right? A, a lot of people looking for significance in doing all these great things for God. No, he's the one that does great things for us as we sell ourselves out and die. 
as we give up our hearts and say, that's it. I was telling Logan the other morning, I get up in the morning and I already decided to love these people. Even if they don't respond, even if they don't love me back, even if they don't like me, I, I already decided I'm going to love them. Because I'm this covenant with God that requires me to do that, you know. So be encouraged, renew your hope, break the familiar. Don't miss your meal at the table of the Lord. I was uh, uh, telling the church back home, uh, David talks about a table being prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. And we, <laughs> when the things get a little heated, we want to like move, leave. And God says to David, David, don't go anywhere. I'm preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Well, I, I, I'm going to go somewhere else, God. No, 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 the meal is on the table. Don't leave yet. Sit down. When you're getting ready to run and God is getting ready to sit you down, oh boy. But I'm telling you, don't miss the table of the Lord every day before you even come together. Because something gorgeous, beautiful, something new is about to take place here that that'll just let allow heaven to kiss the earth in a beautiful way. the imagery of the fish. It was in the psalm I was mentioning on the screen. So. I'll read this psalm <coughs> and we'll pray. And we'll give thanks. We'll praise God. Because you know, it's funny. At the, even at the, the table of the Lord, when he says, I've made a banqueting table for you, he goes on to describe more of what that looks like. He says, you've seated me above the heads of my enemies, that I would offer joyful sacrifices of praise to you. It's in the context of war and conflict that he says there's a place of thanksgiving, of worship, of praise. That's what we've seen, is that praise is your weapon. Thanksgiving in light of the greatness and ability of God. And David says all of it, I point up to one thing you've asked of me, God. One thing have I sought that I might behold your beauty, to meditate on your temple. That, that reality, when we seek him, that releases us to praise and live from heaven to earth, you know? Because otherwise, we are subject to natural circumstances. We are subject to man. We are more prone to live within our circumstances rather than to live in Christ. Because we live in Christ, not in our present circumstances. And we have to learn to navigate our life and govern our life from the Spirit. You know, we're not mere mortals, carnal people, living according to five senses and natural instinct. No, we have to renew our minds and live by faith and not by sight. And that calls us first and foremost to this creator God that is able to do the possible, right? Uh, and who has purposes for his people. And I believe that for this house specifically, salvation and praise, God is causing to spring forth in here. There is a harvest of souls. There's a well of revival here. And there's going to be an unlocking of harvest, truly, a real harvest here in this place. And, and part of the weapon you're to wield is praise. It's praise is the declaration of God's nature and his purpose. What he's done, who he is, 
right? It's not supplication even. It's not asking. It's, it is the glorying in, the rejoicing in, the boasting in who God is and what he is like. And that's the posture we have to maintain, the anticipation, the hope, the joyful anticipation of what God is doing and what he will do and what he will accomplish. Uh, that's what faith does. It, it, faith dances now to the music of hope. Right? We perceive what God is going to fully do, and we rejoice in it now. And in doing that, we accelerate that purpose. Amen? Psalm 85. Right? It says, you, Lord, showered favor to your land. And I'm going to read this as even as a prayer. So why don't we just stand together? So let's pray. Because that's what we as a community, we are welcoming the favor of the Lord. Not only into our lives, but into this land. The redemptive purpose for this, this patch of land. <laughs> Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. We thank you that you're restoring the fortunes of your people. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all of their sins. We rejoice in the work of the cross. That you forgave our iniquity. You covered all of our sins. You set aside your wrath and you turned away, God, from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God. You who are our Savior. Thank you that you've put away the displeasure towards us and that you will not be angry forever. Revive us again that your people would rejoice in you. Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, to his faithful servants, but let them not return to their folly. Surely his salvation is near those that fear him, that his glory might dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness, they meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. I'll leave it there, but there is some yummy instruction in there for this community. But there is this kissing of righteousness and peace. There's a meeting together in alignment that provides the context for your harvest to come forth. For praise to erupt in a fresh way. Father, we thank you for your words today from everybody from, from worship. We thank you for your presence among us. We acknowledge you, God, as a great God. We acknowledge you as wonderful and faithful. God, you are faithful all the time. And I thank you that it is your will that in every circumstance to give thanks to God, to pray always. We thank you. You are faithful to complete what you have started. 
You are faithful to your word, to your purposes, to your divine intention for this place. Thank you for your favor here. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for your fire. Thank you for your justice. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for healing and salvation and deliverance, wealth and resource. Thank you, oh God. Thank you. We thank you that you have not forgotten your people or passed this by, but your eyes are upon us. Your gaze is upon us. Your invitation is before us. We thank you. God, we bless you. May your glory dwell in our land. May your glory dwell in our land. May your glory manifest in our hearts. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you for Christ coming forth in us. Christ coming forth among us. Christ being put on display through a community in this land. Thank you for the beacon of light. Salvation going forth throughout Maine. Raise the banner high. We thank you, Lord. We trust in you. Love and faithfulness are meeting together. Righteousness and peace are kissing each other. Faithfulness is springing forth from the earth. Righteousness is pouring out from heaven. Woo! The Lord will indeed give what is good. Come on, just, just glory in everyone. The Lord will indeed give what is good. We throw down unbelief. We throw down despair. We throw down disappointment and all that causes the people of God to be despondent and lack to have expectation. We throw it down and we say we expect the goodness of God to be revealed in the land of the living. The Lord will indeed give what is good and our land will yield its harvest. We thank you for your righteousness going before us. We thank you that you're making crooked paths straight. We thank you that mountains are being laid waste and valleys are being lifted up. We thank you that rough places are being made smooth. We thank you that a highway is being prepared for you to walk in and make yourself known among men. We thank you for being the boast and champion of your people again. We rejoice in you. Hallelujah. We thank you for praise springing up, gates of praise being opened, 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 salvation, praise going forth. Hallelujah. We thank you for victorious praise in the hearts of your people. Woo! We thank you, God, so that we can loose creative speech. Creative speech that calls forth and materializes the very will of God. That when we ask and pray, believing what we have said and asked for, we have received it already. We thank you for authoritative decree, authoritative praying, authoritative praise <laughs> that looses heaven on earth. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for a people of peace being established here. You're making us a people of peace who live in alignment with heaven and live in alignment with each other. 
that can extend the rod of your kingdom. We thank you, God. May the word of God energize your people, take root and bear much fruit, tenfold, thirtyfold, a hundredfold. We bless you, God. Come on, let's just rejoice before him for a moment. Just intentionally thank him, aggressively thank him for a moment. We thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Come on. We boast in you. We shout over the mountains. Hallelujah. What are you before the mountain of the Lord? What are you before the God of creation? What are you? Mountains melt like wax in his presence. Woo! What is Carmel, Maine? What is Maine before you? There's no resistance. You're worthy. Nothing's too difficult for you. You're the God of the impossible. <laughs> Father, I pray for fresh faith to be loosed in hearts. Faith. Faith. The just shall live by faith. We thank you, God, for the victory of Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth belong to you. Thank you that you've given us the keys of the kingdom. We thank you, God. We thank you that none that hope in you shall be disappointed. None shall be dismayed. Those that look to you that says they shall be radiant. And I thank you for a radiant people here. A radiant, joy-filled people whose eyes are set on Jesus, whose lives are poured out out of love for you. We bless you. We thank you, God. You're great. You're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good. Just, I just see so many faces of families and peoples coming here, weeping in gratitude and thanksgiving for the, the kindness of God. I just see people experiencing the restoration of the Lord, the healing touch of Jesus, the saving grace of the Lord. I just see so many families streaming here, the broken, the needy, the impoverished, the weak, the disempowered, the lowly, the poor in spirit, coming and discovering the kingdom. And being just crushed with thanks, thankfulness, crushed with gratitude, crushed by the mercy and kindness of God, overwhelmed by the goodness of the Lord. We thank you for the joy of harvest. We thank you for salvation. We just welcome, come in to the table of the Lord. Come in, all of you out there. Whoa, come to the waters. Come and delight yourself in the richest affair. The doors are open. Satisfy your people with the abundance of your house. And may all those onlooking come and taste and see that the Lord is good. You're the best, God. You're the best, God. We expect your goodness. See it.
just see it for a moment. Let your heart see it and just engage. Just see God's intention. See the promise of God. I wrote down some notes as we were going through before we sat down and Wesley gave a word and I just wanted to pray momentum. I just see momentum. That what we did this weekend with the with the pumpkin fest was the beginning of like the height of the hill. And that as pumpkins roll down a hill, they gain momentum. And so God, I just pray that the word go ye therefore, that you we prayed for strategy last time. I really feel like God has given a strategy that for it is your kindness that leads us to repentance, God. That as I just pray that I feel like <laughs> we prayed over, um, who was it? Well, Chanel for a mother and fathering. I'd like them to end in praying over you guys as mother and fathers over this place because I think this place needs mothering and fathering in this area. And that um, there's a strategy of kindness. Father, I pray for a strategy of kindness that would bring people to repentance in this area, Father. Bring people crying to this place because they feel loved and accepted finally out of all the things that have happened in their lives. And I feel like whatever the Lord puts into your hands as a congregation, that you make gifts. Gifts of kindness that will break the yoke and bondage of slavery. Marie, you have an amazing gift. I just, you sat there with all those gifts that you had made around you. I, I see blueberry muffins. I went into your freezer <laughs> over there. You guys get stacks of blueberries. Just make blueberry muffins and start giving them out with little words of prophecy. You know, when we do our encounters, we give little words. It's going to mean so much. It's going to break the bondages. And people are going to come because it's about relationship. Church is not about this room. Church is about going out into the community and saying hi. So, God, I thank you that I bless Marie with she takes scraps and makes something beautiful out of them. And she's going to create them with her heart of prayer, as Anasio said, and thanksgiving and the love of God. And the richness of those gifts, Father, to these people will just begin to warm. I just see a warm, you know, we're coming into a winter season, and this is going to bring warmth to these people. And whether they come into this door or not, it doesn't matter. But I think it's going to matter. So, God, I thank you that you're going to deliver hearts, deliver with a heart of grace, and bring the sacrifice of praise back to the house of the Lord. So I see you guys going out, and even though it may seem when you visit these people that nothing happened, you bring a sacrifice of praise coming back because you know it did something. Beginning in Judea and Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. So draw a circle where you guys want to start in this area. Make a strategy of who you want to meet and reach out to. Start really close and then it'll go out because it's going to bring more people. Right? It takes more people to do this, right? And I just wanted the Chanel's to pray a prayer of fathering and mothering. Can you do that? Would that be good? You have something? So those of you guys that are in Maine, would you come up here right now? 
the main channel is. If you're in main, come here. <laughs> not those of you guys from Wyndham, not the Wyndham folk, the main folk, come up here. Can you guys join these guys here as a family? Now you you know you know you Wyndham guy, yeah, stay with this guy. Stand stand here. So here's what I'd like us to do before uh, the Chanel's gonna come and pray for them as well, but I wanted every one of us that's here visiting to declare and verbalize a blessing over them with a laying of hands. Is that okay? Everybody okay with that? So if we would come and surround them, I would like every one of us to take the opportunity to say, Lord, we, we, bless, we bless you. With you're laying down and you're rising up. We bless you. We bless the atmosphere of your home. We bless your walk with the Lord. We bless the work of your hands. You know what I'm saying? Just come and verbalize the blessing over them and let everyone just pour out. Pour out until this cup overflows and they live in the overflow. Living in the overflow, right? And then mercy and goodness will follow them every day they get up and everywhere they go. So come on.